morning, everyone, and welcome to Julius Bear's Moving Markets podcast. It's Tuesday, the 6th of June, and my name is Helen Freer. On today's show, I'll be talking about the latest market news with my colleague, John T. Warris. Then the topic of a recession has certainly not gone away, and I'll be talking this morning about the likelihood of a recession in the US now with our chief economist, David Cole. And I'm also joined today by Manuel Villegas, who will give us an update on digital assets. But first up is John T. Good morning, John T. So what are the main stories moving markets this morning? Good morning, Helen. Well, making the headlines this morning is news that US regulators have sued cryptocurrency exchange Binance and its CEO, Changpeng Zhao, yesterday for allegedly operating what they called a web of deception. The move is piling further pressure on the company and sent Bitcoin to its lowest level yesterday in almost three months. Binance reacted in a blog post that it intends to defend the platform and claims that because Binance is not a US exchange, the SEC's actions are limited in their reach. And in big tech, Apple unveiled a number of new devices yesterday, including a long-awaited $3,500 mixed reality headset that will go on sale in the US early next year and said that it will be partnering with Disney for 3D content. The stock hit an intraday record jump ahead of the announcement but closed a tad lower. So still plenty going on for markets to digest. Can you give us a roundup of how markets fared yesterday? Sure. So European equities mainly closed lower in yesterday's trading session, while Asian indices had a better run. The Nikkei rose 2.2% to its highest level since 1990, as investors bet that the current weakness in the Japanese yen will help boost corporate profits. And in the US, equities finished broadly lower yesterday. This followed a third straight week of gains for the S&P and a sixth straight week higher for the Nasdaq. And small caps too gave back some of last Friday's big gains yesterday. The S&P dropped to session lows as Apple raised its earlier gains in the day ahead of the launch of its mixed reality headset, which is billed to be the most significant product launch in nearly a decade. And what about in other asset classes? The oil price declined yesterday as traders weighed the outlook for supply and demand after it was announced that Saudi Arabia plans to reduce its oil output by a million barrels a day in a bid to bring some stability to the market. The US dollar weakened against most of its group of 10 peers. Bitcoin futures were down 6.7% on news about the Binance case. And following last Friday's big yield backup, US Treasury yields rose across the curve and the yield on the 10-year Treasury was little change for a second day. It's now trading at around 3.69, while the two-year yield is around 4.49 when I checked a moment ago. And this comes amid increasing speculation that the US Federal Reserve plans to leave interest rates where they are at the next FOMC meeting in June. But I'll leave that topic for my colleague, David Cole, who we'll hear more from in a moment. And I'm sure he'll be providing some more insights into the health of the US economy. And we also have news out of Asia Pacific this morning, don't we? What can you tell us there? That's right. The Reserve Bank of Australia surprised markets this morning by raising its benchmark interest rate by a quarter of a percent to 4.1%, as inflation down under remains well above the target range. Elsewhere, Asian equities are trading fairly mixed in today's session. The Kospi, the Topics and the Hang Seng are all up by over 0.5%. And the Shanghai Composite and the Shenzhen component are trading in the red, while the ASX was down around 1% a moment ago when I last checked after the surprise rate hike this morning. Asian stocks are facing a challenging backdrop uh, in the second half of this year as the effects of monetary tightening have historically worked with a time lag. And just finally then, what can we expect for the day ahead? 
So there are no statistics out from the US today to consider, but we've just seen some disappointing data out of Germany with German factory orders unexpectedly falling in April by 0.4% from the previous month. We'll also have Eurozone retail sales data for April on the agenda this morning. And later this afternoon, Poland will be announcing its latest interest rate decision when policymakers are expected to keep rates steady at 6.75%, as expectations are rising for a cut later in the year. And a quick look at the futures board shows that the US is poised for a bright open later today with a sea of green. And that's everything for me today, Helen. Great. Thank you very much, John T, for the roundup. Now, David, great to have you on today's show. Um, let's talk about the topic of a recession. Can you tell us, firstly, what's the scenario that you think would lead the US to go into a recession? Morning, Helen. Um, yes, when we talk about a recession, then obviously it's the monetary policy tightening, which we're observing now for more than a year. And uh, the big, big question, um, at what point uh, the monetary tightening is going too far, in this respect, uh, probably just not looking at uh, natural spots uh, where recession could uh, actually hit the economy is obviously the markets uh, which are very dependent uh, on, on, on interest rates, on taking out loans, uh, and will have uh, some issues uh, when it comes to their business models. And uh, when we look at the U.S., that's most likely uh, commercial um, credits, real estate uh, commercials, and in this area, we have indeed uh, some, some issues, some, some indications uh, that monetary policy is getting too tight, that uh, refinancing is getting challenging. At the same time, uh, we see a number of uh, areas in the U.S. economy which are in quite good shape. Uh, and uh, this uh, puts the hurdle for this vicious circle which uh, characterizes a U.S. recession or any recession pretty high uh, at the current context. Uh, so put it that, there are areas in the, in the U.S., uh, commercial real estate is one, uh, which have difficulties, uh, which have challenges uh, to deal here with, with really uh, with this tight monetary policy stance. At the same time, there are still areas which are doing quite well. Uh, that's, for example, uh, the residential housing market, uh, which faces also very tight, uh, very uh, challenging uh, conditions when it comes to financing, but still is not collapsing. There's no repeat of the great financial crisis in this area. Uh, and this makes it right now so difficult uh, to really have a strong position. Is a recession really coming? Or uh, do we rather heading for a soft landing or a soft patch in GDP growth only? So what do you think the likelihood is now of us seeing a recession in the US? So far, we think that uh, uh, at the current context, uh, that it's probably a 50-50 chance uh, between these two. Uh, why? Exactly because uh, we've seen this enormous balance between big parts of the U.S. economy, uh, which can weather higher interest rates. And obviously, um, uh, this is all the investment side outside commercial real estate. That's business investment, uh, which is still quite robust. That's employment intentions, which are still quite robust. Uh, and that's uh, probably also the consumer private consumer in the household, um, which first uh, is still building housing. So we still have housing activity despite a record low affordability indexes. And at the same time, also that housing, uh, which had been at the center of the last uh, great uh, financial crisis of the recession in the U.S. in 2009, 
have changed completely in terms of how indebted households are, how indebted private households are, uh, and how much equity they hold really in their real estate. And this makes the economy so stable. So at current point of time, we think it's 50-50. How will this change? Well, the more pain comes from monetary policy via higher interest rates and via tightening financial conditions, uh, the more we will shift our probability for a recession in the next 12 months uh, towards 100%. Okay. And when talking about a recession, we, of course, also need to look at the labour market. We had non-farm payrolls data out on Friday, which showed significantly more jobs were created in May than expected, um, while the unemployment rate increased to 3.7%. The strength of the labour market at the minute then would suggest that the US economy is in good shape. Is that right? That's correct. And this is uh, probably one of the other important indicators which uh, makes it, for us at least, so difficult to call a recession outright. Uh, we have uh, the steepness of the yield curve, all these indicators uh, which have predicted recessions in the past. At the same time, we have not seen such a strong labor market in any uh, of the recessions uh, of the past. And this is important uh, by distinction. Uh, the labor market is, in this respect, very important to make the distinction uh, between a mere downturn a mere soft patch in economic activity, uh, which recovers with a strong labor market, or recession, where we would see actually a soft patch in economic activity triggering unemployment, significantly unemployment, reducing labor, uh, and this creating another soft patch of the economy. So this wishes circle uh, is absent as long, as long as the labor market is as strong as it is. At the same time, what we have seen at the end of last week in the labor market, yes, adding of jobs of companies had been quite strong. You mentioned as well that the unemployment rate ticked up a bit. And the reason here uh, is uh, that uh, the same household survey which had been published here, their actually uh, employment did not grow. It contracted uh, in May. So all in all, we would say we have a rather mixed labor market report. Um, and in some sense, uh, this is probably good news. This might prevent a, a more active U.S. Fed, a more, even more uh, increasing here the tightness of monetary policy uh, because the labor market is cooling uh, under the surface, under this headline number, which had been uh, pretty strong. And probably the best indication to see that is indeed that wage growth is uh, slowing. It's not as aggressive anymore. A good sign uh, that the labor market is not as hot as it used to be uh, six months ago. So I'll sum that up. I think the labor market remains uh, a support here uh, that uh, any downturn of economic activity uh, will be rather a soft patch. Uh, and at the same time, it's uh, encouraging signs uh, that it's not as hot as before. Uh, so definitely the pressure uh, on the Fed here to over-tightening even further into restrictive territory has decreased. Great. Thanks a lot, David. Good to get your thoughts on this. Let's move on to you now, Manuel, and talk about digital assets. Um, we've talked a lot on this podcast recently about the US debt ceiling, where, as we know, a deal was finally agreed in the end. What implications did this saga have on the prices of digital assets? Good morning, Helen. And you're absolutely right. So the largest digital assets have been playing, displaying a historically low volatility. I mean, it's an extremely uncertain macroeconomic backdrop. And now the resolution of the U.S. debt ceiling conflict 
was well received by crypto enthusiasts as major cryptos immediately saw a slight price increase after the news. Nonetheless, and as Jonti said before, price increases were short-lived as these were thoroughly affected by the Securities Exchange Commission newest regulatory measures against Binance. The SEC's move comes across just a couple of days after the U.S. House of Financial Services Chair Patrick McHenry proposed to bring some clarity to the obfuscated regulatory environment digital assets endure in the United States. So what are your thoughts on the future of legislation and regulation of crypto assets in the U.S.? Yes, so the Republican McHenry chairs the U.S. House of Financial Services, as I said before, and this is the institution that oversees the Securities Exchange Commission, the SEC, and the Commodities Future Trade Commission, the CFTC, amongst a handful of others. And McHenry is attempting to introduce a new bill directed to the digital asset market structure with the objective of clearly defining which assets have the sufficient level of decentralization to avoid being classified as investment contracts, which has been the whole episteme of the long-standing disagreement amongst U.S. watchdogs. And, you know, the key aspect of Bill is to introduce a definition for decentralization, which would lay the groundwork for adequately distinguishing tokens as securities or commodities, the latter being a category with lower disclosure requirements. The bill defines a decentralized network as one that could not have been controlled by single entities for at least a year prior, where no issuer or decentralized organization owned more than 20% of the associated tokens of a network, and one in which no marketing campaigns were done in the three months prior to the certification as a decentralized network. Another aspect would be that the any issuances within the past 12 months were limited towards end users. And to wrap it up, the label is dynamic as the SEC and the CFTC would easily reclassify networks under each jurisdiction, depending on the fulfillment of the criteria. And the draft aims to innovate within a market that has been widely affected by an uneven regulatory ecosystem. And more importantly, and nonetheless, at the time of the writing, legislation is absent. And as we saw yesterday, the SEC will likely continue with the harsh enforcement actions, as seen with the latest lawsuit against Binance. So I, I really expect the SEC moving, uh, moving forward with a lot of measures before this bill comes to light. So investors should expect a rather complex short-term macroeconomic outlook characterized by stick inflation, and as David said before, an imminent recession risk that is towards 50%, as well as a very high regulatory scrutiny. That's pretty much it. Thank you you very much, Manuel, for joining me this morning. So that is all for today. Thank you again to my guests this morning, and thank you all for tuning in. If you enjoyed today's show, don't forget to subscribe and please also leave us a review on whichever platform you like to listen on. We would love to hear your feedback. And do join us again tomorrow when Bernadette will be back and she'll be speaking to more of our colleagues about what is moving markets. Have a great day, everyone, and bye for now. The information and opinions expressed in this podcast constitute marketing material and are not the result of independent financial or investment research. Please refer to www.juliasbear.com forward slash legal forward slash podcasts for further other important legal information. 
Beyond Markets is a weekly podcast where Julius Baer experts and external speakers discuss some of the latest market developments. They share their key research and insights on today's ever-changing economic landscape and present practical advice. Search for Beyond Markets on your favourite podcast player.